chapter nineteen of to london town this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. to london town by arthur morrison chapter nineteen the longed-for holiday came with a fine monday morning and bessie in a muslin frock that her mother had helped to make for the occasion was impatient an hour too soon because johnny lingered in bed enjoying the luxury of losing a quarter without paying the penalty but johnny was ready for breakfast before eight and seeing the shop door open ran to take down the shutters a thing his mother commonly did herself because of his absence at work i always put em up and for once i'll take em down he said prancing in with the first look out mother or i'll bowl you over oh no johnny she said leave em i'll only have to and at that she stopped only have to what johnny asked going for another only have to serve the customers eh cause the shop's open of course you will it ain't your holiday you know it's ours look out again shoo bessie rattled at the old barometer still though for half an hour it had refused to move its hand a shade and she asked johnny for the fiftieth time if he were perfectly sure that the proper train wasn't earlier than they were supposing and when at last johnny admitted that it was time to start nan may kissed them and bade them good-bye with so wistful an earnestness that johnny was moved to pleasantry all right mother he said we're coming back some day you know they were scarce halfway to the railway station when bessie said johnny i don't think mother's been very well lately there'll be another train soon shall we go back and and just see if she's all right first johnny laughed that's a good idea he said and then i s'pose we'd better miss the next and go back to see how she's getting on then and the one after that eh mother's all right she's been thinking a bit about you know grandad and all that and because we're going to the forest it reminds her of it come on don't begin the day with dumps there was interest for both of them in the railway journey they changed trains at stepney and after a station or two more came in distant sight of a part of the road they had traversed on banks cart when they came to london two winters back there was the great low desolate wilderness treeless and void of any green thing seen now from nearer the mist with the road bounding it in the distance and here was the chemical manure factory close at hand this time with its stink at short hitting range so that every window in the train went up with a bang and everybody in the long third-class carriage coughed or grimaced or spat or swore according to sex and habit then out beyond stratford through leighton and leightonstone they saw that the town had grown much in twenty months and was still growing close regular streets of little houses all of one pattern stared in raw brick or rose with a forlorn air of crumbling sponginess amid sparse sticks of scaffolding bessie wondered how the butterflies were faring in the forest and how much farther they had been driven since she left 
then the wide country began to spin past and pleasant single houses and patches of wood the hills about chigwell stood bright and green across the roding valley as the low ground ran away between and the high forest land came up at the other side of the line till the train stood in lawton station through the village bessie flushed and eager stumped and swung at a pace that kept johnny walking his best staple hill was the nearest corner of the forest and for staple hill they made direct once past the street end it rose before them round and gay deep and green in the wood that clothed it boys were fishing in the pond at its foot and the stream ran merrily under the dusty road come johnny bessie cried straight over the hill nor did she check her pace till the wide boughs shaded them and her crutch went softly on the mossy earth among old leaves then she stood and laughed aloud and was near crying smell it johnny she cried smell it isn't it heavenly they went up the slope across tiny glades and between thick clumps of undergrowth gay with dog roses bessie's eyes and ears alert for everything tree bird or flower now spying out some noisy jay that upbraided their intrusion now standing to hark for a distant woodpecker johnny enjoyed the walk too but with a soberer delight as became an engineer taking a day's relaxation amid the scenes of childish play now half forgotten down the other side of the hill they went and over the winding stream at the bottom truly it seemed a tiny stream now and johnny wondered that he should ever have been proud of jumping it he found a bend where the water rushed through a narrow channel by the side of a bed of clean washed gravel and got bess across though she scrambled down and up with little help such was her enthusiasm then the trees grew sparser and over the deep-grown flat of debden slade bessie stopped again and again to recognize some well-remembered wild flower and little brown butterflies skimmed over the rushes and tall grass the sun mounted higher and everything was brisk and bright and sweet-smelling brother and sister climbed the hill before them slowly often staying to look back over the great prospect of rolling woodland ever widening as they rose till at last they stood at the point of the ridge in the gap through the earthwork made by ancient britons this beyond all others was the spot that bessie had loved best this ragged ring of crumbling rampart and ditch grown thick with fantastic hornbeams polarded out of all common shape its inner space a crowded wonder of tall bracken with rare patches of heather its outer angles watching over the silent woods below and dominating the hills that ranked beyond this was the place where best an old book from the shelf would fill a sunny afternoon for the camp was a romance in itself a romance of closer presence than anything printed on paper here two thousand years ago the long-haired savages had stood in real fact with spears and axes brandishing defiance to foes on the hillside here they had entrenched themselves against the roman legions they and their chief fierce cassivalanus more to her than a name in an old history book 
for had not she seen the wild prince a hundred times in her daydreams stalking under the oaks and the sheeted druids till the wood grew alive with phantoms and she hid her face in her book and now she sat here again in the green shade and looked out over the thousand tree-tops merry with the sunlight how long had she left it all what was that fancy of a ride to london of shipyards and of a chandler's shop but johnny whistled to a robin on a twig and she turned and looked at him to see that here was the engineer indeed and the painter of the chandler's shop still which was the dream that or this left alone bessie would have sat here all the day but there were other places not to be forgotten as johnny reminded her over the heather they went then to monk wood where the trees were greater and the flowers were more abundant than anywhere else in the forest and they did not leave it till johnny insisted on dinner now this dinner was a great excitement for at setting out johnny had repelled every suggestion of sandwiches in a bag and now dauntlessly marched into an inn on the main road and ordered whatever was ready with two glasses of beer bessie overwhelmed by the audacity of the act nevertheless preserved her appetite and even drank a little of the beer and the adventure cost johnny four shillings mother's having her dinner alone said bessie in a flutter of timid delight she doesn't guess we're having ours at the red deer hence it was not far by the lanes to the high churchyard for the flowers gathered in monk wood were for grandad's grave and it was a duty of the day to mark the condition of the little headstone all was well with it and it surprised them to find the grass cut neatly and a little clump of pansies growing on the mound bessie suspected bob's small piece and so went a perfect day their tea they took in bob's small piece's lodge the keeper admitted having gone over old mr may's grave with the grass shears just once or twice he avoided making any definite reply to johnny's and bessie's invitations to come to harbour lane again perhaps he'd come again he said some day meanwhile had they seen the cottage as they had not they set out all three together and looked at it the new tenancy had made little change down the glen the white walls first peeped from among the trunks and then the red tiles just as ever the woodman was at work mending the old fence it was always being mended somewhere the turbulent little garden still tumbled and surged against it threatening to lay it flat at any moment very naturally the woodman and his wife though perfectly civil took less personal interest in johnny and bessie than johnny and bessie took in them and the cottage so that it was not long ere a last look was taken at the old fence and bob's small piece went off another way on his walk of duty shadows grew long and thickets dark to revisit every remembered nook had been impossible but they had seen and lingered in all them that had most delighted bessie in old times all but worm laden pits johnny had turned that way once thoughtlessly but no bessie said almost whispered with her hand on his arm not that way johnny and now they turned their backs on the fast darkening forest and took a steep lane for the village below 
the sweet smells that go up at the first blink of the evening star met them on the breeze and when they turned for the last look toward the woods the trees on the hilltop tall sentinels of the host beyond barred the red west and nodded them and the sun good-bye out of the stony lane lawton was lighted and at the end of a dusty road was a small constellation of gas lamps and railway signals now it was plain that both were a little tired bessie perhaps more than a little but the train gave a welcome rest and there were no passengers to see even if she slept for they were alone in their compartment they had passed two stations when johnny who had been standing to look out at the opposite window turned and saw that his sister was dozing with her head bent forward and her face hidden by the crutch handle it was so wholly her figure as she sat in the cab at the old man's funeral that johnny started and sat where he stood though he had never once called the thing to mind since that day and he took the crutch gently away to look at her face but it was calm and untroubled and he put his hand at the farther side of it and pressed it to his shoulder for plainly she was tired out and there were no cushions in the carriage it was nearing ten o'clock when at last they turned into harbour lane from a back street came the old watchman's cry past nine o'clock as he went his round in search of orders to wake early risers and lights in bedroom windows told of early risers already seeking sleep nobody was in the shop but as they came in johnny thought he saw his mother's face vanish from beside the muslin curtain that obscured the glass in the back parlor door they passed through the shop and into the back parlor their mother and mr butson sat facing them side by side mr butson had a new suit of clothes and their mother wore her best and smiles and tears were in her face something had happened what was it bessie and johnny scarce within the door stood and stared johnny bessie nan faltered looking from one to the other have you enjoyed your holiday won't you kiss me johnny she rose and made a step toward them but something struck them still and they looked wondering from nan to butson and back to their mother again what was it johnny moved first and kissed his mother absently gazing at mr butson the while mr butson who was smoking said nothing but lay back in his chair and considered the ash of his cigar nan's anxiety was plain to see she put a hand on johnny's shoulder and an arm on bessie's neck i we you won't be vexed because i didn't tell you will you she said pale but trying to smile i we mr butson johnny bessie don't look so tears ran down her cheeks and she bent her head on johnny's other shoulder we've been married to-day chapter nineteen